Take the cockpit door down. Take the two pilots that have already made the sacrifice so that you can face this challenge. Dispose of them all, Koke. into a nosedive, Hulk Hogan. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. Hey, you want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one. Final beat. His lungs breathe the final breath. I am Ultimate Warrior. You are the Ultimate Warrior fans. And the spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever. Okay, everyone. We're back. It's been a few weeks since the last podcast. WrestleMania's come and gone. We had some good matches, some memorable matches, some matches that turned out better than we thought they would. It's been a big week, or a big few months in wrestling, basically. But we're going to talk about WrestleMania another time. For now, we're going to delve back into the past and do another classic talk about classic wrestling. This time, we're going to start off with one of my favourite ever wrestling storylines. It's what got me into wrestling. The NWO and their formation in the mid-90s. Their, what is possibly one of the most popular stables or whatever you want to call them in wrestling history, one of the most infamous angles. That's what I was thinking of. You'd either love the NWO, you hated them, you liked them for a while and then got sick of them, or whatever. Let's talk about... Uh, I've got Rocco with me. I've got Kurt Ward with me. I'm going to talk about it. I'll start with you, Kurt. What are your thoughts on the NWO? Um, well, they revolutionised the business, to be honest. I mean, they changed they changed the way everything went. I mean, the whole angle was was done so perfectly, I thought. You know, the way Hall was brought in, the way Nash was brought in, the way, obviously, one of the biggest shockers in history when Hulk Hogan, the, you know, who for years and years had been the number one baby face in the world, you know, turned his back on the, on the fans who supported him for all those years, and it was just so well done, I thought, I mean, I know Bischoff got the idea from New Japan, I think they did it about five, six years before, where they had like an angle where the wrestlers were trying to take over the um, promotional outfit at the time, but I think why it worked so well with WCW was because you had the two big companies in North America, in WCW and uh, WWF at the time, and fans weren't sure what was real, what wasn't real. Now we we know everything that's going on. We know, you know, who's injured, who's not injured, who's going to make a return, who's not. But at that time, when Scott Hall made his appearance from the crowd, he wasn't wearing wrestling gear. He wasn't Razor Ramon. He was Scott Hall, you know, his real name, which you didn't hear real names then. You didn't... You just knew him as the wrestlers' names. He came in and he, you know, he gave his little promo. You know, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. And it, it was intriguing. And obviously, a few weeks later, Nash joined him. The, the way it all worked was perfect as well. With them both being their contracts running out with WWF, and then you know Hall being poached first, and then you know Nash. It just worked perfectly because, like I said, the fans weren't sure. And when the fans aren't sure, that's when. 
that's it's like magic. When the fans, if you if you watch magic and you're not sure how the the magician has done the trick, that's what that's when it's perfect. That's what it's supposed to be. And we all know wrestling's you know not real, but it's it's got to be as real as possible, and it's got to make you think. And that's that's what that storyline did. And you know, it's like in boxing we have fantasy matches. How would Tyson do against Ali and things like that? And I remember at the time watching it as like a, a 12 or 13 year old, you know, wanting to see the best of WCW against the best of WWF. And that angle kind of made it a bit more realistic because you had WWF guys under the umbrella of the NWO who were basically trying to destroy, you know, in the storyline, the WCW. And um, like I said, it worked so well. Later on, it, it, it faded out because like anything, it's got its own sell by date, but the first, I'd say, the first six months were gold. I mean, but when they added more and more people wanted to be a part of it, that's when it started to, to fizzle out and it did go on too long. But the original, you know, the original conception of the NWO, I mean, that was the force behind WCW going from its, you know, southern roots into, like, more mainstream. And that was what started the Monday Night Wars and put WCW on top for a two-year period when ratings were sky-high and wrestling, in my opinion, was at its very best. Yeah, I agree with everything you've just said. The thing about the NWO that made it work so well, I think, was it was very, very of its time, the angle. It fitted in perfectly with popular culture at the time. This was when... It was before the age of social media, but it was also at a time when technology was going forward. Like The internet was becoming a big thing. People were... Wrestling fans were becoming more knowledgeable about how it worked. Like... People knew Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were leaving WWF, or a lot of fans did, um, before they left. That's why when they had the Madison Square Garden incident, they were chanting stuff at them. Because these are fans who were able to get on the internet and look at stuff like this. Whereas in the 80s and the 70s and the 60s and stuff like that, you just thought these wrestlers were the, char- they, they were the characters born at noon and night, even when they weren't in the ring. They were these characters. You know, you, you could imagine Scott Hall walking around in his tights and his gold and stuff like that. You could imagine Shawn Michaels dancing all the time, even when he's not in the ring. People thought these people were the real... They were their characters, and a lot of guys were. A lot of guys were old school and kept up the character 24-7, but a lot of guys didn't. Whereas the NWO, I think they managed to tap into the fact that a lot of fans were getting smarter. And they had to work harder to suspend the belief. They had stuff. Do you remember when Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, they invaded WCW one week where they just came out of the crowd and started beating people up? I think it was when, a few weeks after the original debut, they came out of the crowd, they beat guys up. They didn't get on the mic or anything and cut a promo because they didn't want to give... If they did that, that would be giving it away to the fans who weren't sure what was really going on. Like, oh, they're setting this up for a match. It was just, it was something different, wasn't it, as well? I mean, fans of WCW are used to the same old tired thing. You know, it, I think the year 1994, 1995 were pretty shit for both companies, to be honest. It was the same old tired format. And I think this was like the beginning of like what we now know as the Attitude Era, where the good guys were looked upon as, you know, we don't we don't want to cheer for you anymore. We're sick of like the, the good guy always getting cheered and the bad guy being booed you know it, it's cool now to cheer the, the the bad guy and Nash and Hall were were those I think they were the first you know cool bad guys if you will you know bad yeah. guys were, were looked upon and no we want to see him get his head kicked in but not these guys you know they were funny they came out you know they basically said what a lot of fans were thinking a lot of fans are thinking you know WCW is full of old guys you know they're all southerners it's it's wrestling. It's not wrestling. It's 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 not you know it's not entertainment. You know, but you know we we want to we want to do things our way. We're the younger guys. We want to change things. You know, we're sick of the Ric Flairs, the Arn Andersons, and a lot of fans were were thinking that. So they became you know they became somewhere to get behind. A bit like Austin as well. You know, he was always a heel, but even even when he was at his peak, he was still technically a heel character. He'd do all the heel characteristics. He, he'd you know low blow. He'd, he'd you know, attacked the commentators, but he was cheered because that was that was the times that that we were in. And guys like Bret Hart, for instance, who was always a good guy, really during the nineties, people turned on him and he played the heel character. And um, 
that's what they all did and someone like Hulk Hogan I think it fit perfectly for him because his act was so stale a bit like John Cena's today you know his act was the same act over and over again and it was the same matches over and over again and he needs something different and he played the character perfectly as well I thought and he showed you know that's why you might not I said it before in a previous podcast you know you might not think he's the greatest wrestler you know in terms of moves you know when you compare him to someone like a Shawn Michaels but he showed that you know not only can he play the greatest babyface but he probably played the greatest heel of all time as well because you know in the space of like a few weeks he was you know he was WCW uh, number one good guy and then he became someone who everyone hated yeah I I agree with that and one thing you touched upon that I agree 100% with was the fact that Nash and Hall were the first cool bad guys. I remember seeing the guys come in in their leather jackets, in the jeans, smoking cigars, sunglasses on. They came in, just beat everyone up. Didn't do the silly wrestling moves that you'd see guys do normally when they were beating people up. They just did simple stuff like a punch in the belly, a kick in the arse, stuff like that. Just pick him up and throw him. I think they grabbed Rey Mysterio and threw him into a wall. Some of that, it looked like a real beatdown, like a gang beatdown stuff you'd expect two guys to do if they were beating people up in real life. There wasn't any of these stupid moves off the top rope, there wasn't any of these really elaborate finishes, and, it was just simple. And even just, sm- small things like their merchandise that actually have guys outside in the parking lot selling the t shirts outside of a trunk instead of doing it through the official WCW channels. This all made fans think, you know, this is this is not this is not right. You know, if we want to buy a Hulk Hogan T-shirt, we we go through WCW. But this was all different. This was like how you would buy a pirate DVD or a pirate movie. This was done. You weren't yeah. supposed to be doing it. And then all of a sudden, every Nitro went by, every uh, pay-per-view, you, there was more black and white T-shirts in the crowd. And that's when they they must have known, you know, this is obviously much bigger than we anticipated it was going to be. Yeah, and like you say, guys turning up selling these t-shirts out the boot of a car like, as if the bootleg it really did it gives off the impression to people who are queuing up outside that these guys Hall and Nash and the guys who got to sell the t-shirts these guys literally have just turned up tonight for a joke they're not here as part of an official part of the show they've just drove here to the arena like we have and they're just here to have, have a laugh and cause trouble and as you say when when you see it allows you to, to suspend your disbelief and when it gets you to thinking is this real? Is this all above board? Are these guys really meant to be doing this? That's when it's golden, and that's when business will go through the roof, isn't it? Do you want to chime in, Rocco? Have you got anything to say? Uh, hey, yo. <laughs> hey, yeah. yo. Hey, yo. Something bad happened to this podcast. Something bad gonna happen to you. Um, yeah, no, no. I mean, you're bang on. It's, um, as you say, Kurt, a bit like magic. When it that's what they want. If they can get the crowd to f- sit there and think, oh, hang on, is it a bit like that, you know, obviously WWE's reply with the Austin and McMahon era, um, they took the ball and run with it. Like, let's, you know, as you say, I used to think, I used to think that um, The Undertaker did live in a funeral parlour and sleep in a casket and Paul Bearer with his dad and, you know, not I'm only joking, but I didn't really. Like, I, I did think, you know, um, that, that the characters were like like they was. And I thought the only wrestling you see was what was on the telly. I didn't know there was house shows every night and all that. But that is the, the golden egg, I think, is if they can get the crowd to think, oh, shit, we don't know what's going to happen next. And and that uh, that time and the way they did it, like like you said as well with um, the sort of like Cena and Hogan for the sort of like what ten years previous since WW since the first WrestleMania it had been all like larger than life characters Hulk Hogan you know the hero the American hero kicking out of moves and all that and then every sort of like I don't know every sort of like ten fifteen years there needs there has to be like a reset doesn't there like where like it changes and Normally, before that, like now, where people boo Cena, when you looked at the crowd back then, sort of like the late 80s, no one booed Hogan. Everyone was like, bought into it. So, you know, but every so often it needs a thing. No one used to cheer the bad guy on um, back then. But 
that that was the first time that I can remember when the NWO storyline when it become called cool to cheer the bad guy because it was some it was something different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like as I said before, it fit at the time, didn't it? It was late nineties, it was car crash TV. It was we're sick of the old eighties, you know, colour um loudness. The eighties were all it was all colour, it was all muscle men, it was all elaborate, you know, stunts and it was all cheesy. Whereas nineties it was dark, it was gritty, it was serious, it was cool, and that's what they were. They were I think Eric Bischoff, even though he took the idea from Japan deserves a lot of credit because he knew the he knew the audience he was going after. He knew he, he knew what worked on TV and what didn't work. He really st- he's a TV guy, Bischoff traditionally. A lot of people say he's not a wrestling guy. He never has been a wrestling guy. He's just very good at TV in general and he knows how to get uh, he knows how to tap into current trends. Yeah, and to, to be honest, it was it was the NWR and WCW and Bischoff that it basically enabled WWF to finally see what they were missing because they didn't get it. And that that's the thing. They they were way behind in the times, as were WCW. But Bischoff, you know, yeah, he wasn't a wrestling guy, but nor was Vince Russo. But sometimes you need something different at the time. And if they, what the fans want at that time, just clicked. And through WCW doing what they did with the NWO, it didn't take long for Vince McMahon to see what they were doing, you know, and he realised that he, you know, they needed to change. They couldn't have the typical good guy, bad guy, you know, these characters with masks or these stupid, you know, cliched characters that just they just weren't working, you know. The kids, yeah. the kids who had Dentists. watched it, yeah, that the kids yeah. had grown up, and you know, the the, the six year olds, the seven year olds, they were now, you know, seventeen year olds, and they wanted to see, you know, more cool stuff. More women as well, which WWF started to play, and then that was that. Like I said, the Attitude Era was basically the start of the NWR because they changed the the whole game. And um, like I said, even something like the vignettes they did, you know, instead of like the stupid promos, you know, Hulk Hogan doing them and Macho Man, you know, they were they were good at the time, but they got tired, and it was the same thing with the NWR. They had the like the paid announcements in black and white, yeah, and it made you it, th- it looked it was just different, and they were. You know, it was different because usually you see a wrestler saying, oh, I'm going to become world heavyweight champion, I'm going to become intercontinental champion, I'm going to be the best. But these guys weren't really saying that. They were saying, we're going to take over WCW, we're going to we're going to destroy your promotional company. And that we hadn't really seen that before. And it was, it was something new and it was something that had to happen. Yeah, those old paid vignettes, whatever they were, paid announcements for the NWO, they remind me of terrorist videos that you see now with... Osama bin Laden, or whoever is runs Al Qaeda, just guys standing there in front of a camera. You don't know where they're filming. It looks like a really dark building or a, a warehouse or a cave or something like that, and the cameras all flashing around. It looks like it's like the kind of video that if you kidnap somebody, you send to their mum and dad with the ransom demands, isn't it? It's scary. It holds your attention. It's not silly guy standing there with an announcer who's just holding the microphone with an awkward look on his face. It became like, I mean, if you watch Nitro now on the network, they became like, you know, like little trashy uh, TV shows, you know, like a series. You know, the wrestling, you know, people, instead of watching an hour of wrestling, it was like there was a couple of matches, but there was a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. There was a lot of uh, people telling you things. There was a lot of action going on behind the scenes. And, you know, you could watch a Nitro. They'd have the, the usual guys come out, but... You might not see Hulk Hogan ever wrestle a match on Nitro for, for a year because most of the stuff he did on Nitro was just him coming in, hitting someone with a baseball bat or spray painting someone. And that's all. That's that's what it needed at the time. And it, it just worked so well. And I think the, the, the issues they ran into is when they started adding people to the stable who weren't connected to the, the World Wrestling Federation. That's the problem because the whole angle was built on the fact that these guys are coming in from up north, you know, New York, and are they here on Vince McMahon's, um, you know, are they working for Vince, basically, to destroy the competition? And, you know, even people didn't know, and it took a while for Vince, I think he, because Hogan turned at the, uh, in July, didn't he, was it the, the Bash at the Beach, or the Great American Bash, Bash at the Beach, I think it was, 
And it wasn't until December that Vince McMahon sued WCW and Eric Bischoff for defamation of the characters of Razor Ramon and Diesel. Now, if he'd done that originally, then WCW might not have been able to get away with as much stuff as they did. But because he took six months to basically do that and put it out there that we've, re- you know, the contracts have run out, we've released them, they're free agents, they signed with WCW. Because for those six month period, people, you know, weren't sure. People who, you know, hadn't seen the, um, you know, them leaving, you know, hugging with Shawn Michaels and Triple H. People weren't sure at the time. Like I said, it was a lot harder then to get access like that. Now it'd be easy, but then it wasn't. So people weren't sure. And by that time, it had already escalated. But when they started adding guys like the Million Dollar Man and Vincent or Virgil or X-Park and um, the Big Show or the Giant as he was, then that's when it became too much, I think, because you got guys... I mean, in in 98, there was about 30 of them, and it was just, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, I remember reading Eric Bischoff's book, Controversy Creates Cash, when he talks about this whole thing. And he says his biggest regret with the NWO is making it such a large thing and putting everyone and the brother in the stable. He said the reason they decided to do it in the first place and expand it from just, you know, the guys who were coming from WWF was because he realised how big the angle was going to be. He was realising how much success it was going to make them and how much money it was bringing in. And he said, OK, this can't just be an angle that only affects, you know, the main event or an angle that only affects the WCW title. Because you see storylines where, you know, there's there's divisions, isn't there? You know, the guy at the bottom of the card has got nothing to do with the storyline that's going on at the top of the card sort of thing, has he? Whereas Eric Bischoff said, OK, this is such a big thing that we need to make sure that every wrestler in the company is part of this storyline in one way or another. They're affected by it. So the NWO decided to bring in a thing where... They basically went out on Nitro one night and said, you're either with us or you're against us. So there wasn't any wrestlers in the company who were, who you'd think, oh, that guy's got nothing to do with the NWO. It was either you're in the NWO or you're fighting against the NWO. NWO versus WCW. And when it got to the point where about 20 guys who nobody cares about, they're just at the bottom of the card, are all, are all joining the NWO, then that's when it gets watered down and it gets too silly and you just lose interest. Yeah, because... Now, the third man was obviously Hogan. He was like the, the leader of the, the group. The fourth man was the giant. But originally it was going to be Davy Boy Smith. But I think he, he came to an agreement with WWF to stay around there. Now, you know, he would have worked because he was, again, another WWF guy. Even though he'd been in WCW in, I think, 1993. He'd still, you know, he's, he's he was a, he was looked upon as a WWF guy, as were Hulk Hogan. You know, Nash had been in WCW originally, but he was looked upon as Diesel and obviously Razor Ramon. I think they had to, you know, obviously at the time, it's impossible to say because it was doing so well. You can't really say, well, you can't blame them for doing it. But in hindsight, they would have had to, they needed to limit it. And, you know, and, and some of the guys who eventually turned over to the NWO, they just had no relevance. I mean, they were, you could see what the wrestlers wanted to do. They wanted to be part of a storyline. So if you was a mid-carder and you, you know, you could knock on Eric's door and say, I want to be in the NWO, I want to be the latest guy to turn. You're going to be in. You're going to be in the main event. You might not be wrestling, but you'll be involved in the main event. You'll come out and beat Sting up or Lex Luger. You'll be in the in the ring with your t-shirt on, spray painting some guy instead of wrestling. You know the first show on Nitro. So you could see why they did it, but it just became watered down and it lost its its impact. And then obviously you got it split into the the Wolf Pack and you know the LWO and all the yeah and all the other ones. I think. Did the Ultimate Warrior have a little one guy in as well? One Warrior Nation, I think he had, or something. Yeah, for the and one it, month he was there, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. it just, it just, it just became uh, watered down. But you know, even no matter what happens, you know, they're always going to have their their legacy because, like I said, without the NWO, we wouldn't have had the Attitude Era. We wouldn't have had the Monday Night Wars. We wouldn't have, you know, had the um, WDF. You know, giving us great entertainment for two, three uh, straight period, as was WCW, and um, it just it just works so well. And it's one of those things that will never be able to happen again, and it would never happen again now because of the fans. The fans know as much as the um, wrestlers now. Do you know? Do you know what though? You you, you were spot on. Um, <clears throat> by the end of it, like when it was the start, and it was just Ogan, all and Nash, the outsiders, wasn't it? Like. That's when it was good and it was cool. By the end of it, I mean, as I say, that's why you used to, uh, 
watched it more than me. I did watch it then, and I do remember a lot of these bits, but obviously not as much as used to. I, it's a bit more of a haze because I was, you know, out drinking in and fingering pussy. And, um, you know, I don't remember it as much, but I remember watching bits and it always ended up with them spray painting someone. And it's sort of like every week someone else joined them. But by the end, when you had NWO Red, NWO Black and all that, they basically, it was overkill, wasn't it? They, they'd, they'd, they found something successful and instead of just... I know you've got to constantly adapt, but instead of just being happy with what they, they sort of like, they just went too far and they just seemed to be bringing in like everyone who was from WWE. I mean, Elizabeth, then they brought Elizabeth in, they brought her in, then she turns on Savage and they chuck Savage out and then he joins this organisation, you know, and then you had Conan and he's lot and... You know, it just end, it ended up being a fucking shambles, didn't it? it? It should have ended, if you if you look at it, it probably should have ended at Starcade when Sting defeated Hulk Hogan. When that should have, I think that should have ended it then. I mean, I know it, some people say it maybe should have ended before then, but for me, NWO, looking back now, it should have been built to have this unstoppable force who were destroying the promotional company. They couldn't have anyone you know, fight back, and having this one guy, Sting, who was the franchise of WCW, having him go away, people say he's a coward, you know, having him, and then slowly, like they did, I mean, they, they played that excellently, having him come back, then they should have had him come back, they had the whole build-up, which is, I mean, now it wouldn't happen, you wouldn't have, you know, you got to think, you know, John Cena going away and not wrestling a single match for like a year and a half, it'd never happen now, he's got to be, you've got to be at every single house show, every single Raw, every pay-per-view, they took a big gamble doing it, and it worked. And then it, it made, you know, it built up to this match, you know, this NWO against Sting match at Starcade. The match obviously was a total farce in the end, and it, it totally ruined all the good work they put into it. And that was uh, that was a lot of the the, the problems with WCW. The actual storylines and what went on before were great, but the actual matches, a lot of them stunk. Apart from like the cruiserweights who always put on the best match, but they were always first on and they never got the push they deserved. But once Sting won that match the way it should have been, I think that should have been the end of the NWO to be honest. And then Sting could have been given, you know, pushed as the guy. But a few months later, Hogan wins the bout again, and and then they're they're struggling. Then they're then That's the WWF, yeah, the WWF are have taken over, and then they have to put all the pressure on Goldberg who. You know, did remarkably well considering he wasn't a wrestling fan. He had no interest in wrestling. He got in an injury. He went into wrestling because he had a, a great body. Someone told him about it. And I think within about 12 months of him first having a wrestling tryout, he's he's winning the world title. I mean, he couldn't wrestle. He couldn't wrestle 10 minute matches because he had no experience at all. But all the pressure was put on him because of the um, the lack of lack of ideas. I think. Yeah, and that's that was that's the overall problem with WCW itself, not just the NWO. It it had one great idea, one great idea, and they milked it so long that they couldn't come up with any other ideas to replace it. And, and, and it was the same with the NWO. It started off it was same with the NWO. It pretty much it started off great, one great idea. Let's get all these guys from WWF to come and make a big ruckus. But as soon as the initial impacts wore off, oh shit, what what do we do now? I don't know. Let's just Let's make more NWO. Let's just make more of the same and hope it works. It, it's, the problem, it? it's, it's like a, a musician making a great album, and you know, ten years later, he's washed up, and he's still, you know, making shit albums because he's trying to make that one great album again. It's gone now. You've done it. You know, move on. You know, but you know, they thought, well, you've you've had that great bit of um, you've had that great bit of entertainment, and you've you've done well out of it. Let's just keep it going, and hopefully that you know it can. We can turn it around somehow, but once obviously Austin and Vincent Mann had got going, you know, I think that's what they should have done with Bischoff. I don't think Bischoff should have joined the NWO. I think he should have been the Vince McMahon, you know, against the NWO because even though the NWO were technically heels, they would have been cheered just like Stone Cold was. And I think 
Bischoff should have been the guy who sh tried to shut them down, you know, not allowing them to have their broadcasts, not allowing them to have their vignettes or their paid announcements. Stop giving them airtime, you know, that would have been the storyline and fans would have been booing him and not liking him and he would have been like, you know, I want it. He could have been like, I want it WCW to be back the way it was, even though in real life he didn't. He wanted it to be, you know, new and modern. But he could have been doing something like that and the NWO could have been heels, but call heels. Yeah. yeah. I, I read something the other day. Um, uh, Ex-Pat Nash and Hall done interview someone. I read it on Twitter. There was a little excerpt of it. And I don't know which one of them was saying it. One of them was saying that they nearly had Taker go over there in, I don't know if it was 2000 or 2001. They said he was a bit cheesed off. And they reckon they nearly had him to go, to go over there. And they would have just had him. Obviously, they couldn't use him as Undertaker. He was, would have just been like Mark Calloway. But then he come back or something with WWE, he come back with like the old, um, the biker gimmick, do you know what I mean? But they said they was very, very close to getting him. I, I've never really heard that to be honest, because Undertaker just seems like he's a, he's a company man, you know, he's very loyal, yeah. but I think the one that they wanted and they, I think they could have got was Shawn Michaels because he was so close to all the guys, you know, X-Park, Hall and Nash. You know, and I know, I thought I think Michael said himself that during '96 he was approached and he he was you know unsure, but in the end he decided to stay because he'd been finally given the the title, the main guy in WWF. But if they could have got him, I think he would have played a perfect you know NWO member to be honest, someone like him. I mean, but there's a few guys they could have they could have brought over, but again it would have, it would have been overkill anyway. I mean, I think they needed more than three guys because you can't have a realistic storyline where three men are basically holding a company hostage. You need a couple of guys at least, but I suppose that's why they put the giant in there to add extra muscle because, you know, it made it, them look more legit, but it just became overkill. And when you got a ring full of people and it just, it just became too much, but yeah. you know, it's, it's like anything, you know, a good idea can only be a good idea for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And as you said, with Bischoff, that would have made sense if they'd have done what you suggested, where he was the the enemy of the NWO, but he was like all the wrestlers at the time. He saw these guys getting cheered to the rafters. He saw them making these entrances, looking cool as shit, coming out with cigars and coming out with hot, uh, fit women and stuff like that. And he thought, you know what, I want to be part of the cool gang. And yeah, I want to look cool on. I want to look cool on TV. So. His ego as well. I mean, he he, you know, he said. At the time, you know, his mission was to put Vince out of business, same as um, Ted Turner. They wanted Vince. That's why they went to rival the um, Monday Night Raw. They didn't have to um, go head-to-head -head with them. They could have put on a, another sh their show on another night, but they wanted to go head-to-head -head because that's the only way to beat the competition. One of them has to die if they go head-to-head. -head. And, you know, again, you could say, I wish they hadn't have done that because, you know, they would have stayed in existence, but we wouldn't have got the great entertainment we did. And... No, you know, it'll always be my favourite. You know, I was like a teenager at the time and when I look at it compared to wrestling now, it's it's like a different a different world to be honest. And I just thought they could get away with a lot more then because they played up to it more. They weren't trying to behave. You know, if if they you know, I remember DX when they I think Sean or the WWF got a letter to them saying, you know, Shawn Michaels said some comments that we weren't happy with. And they actually gave Shawn Michaels a letter and he read it out live on Raw one night. So, you know, and, and he took the piss out of them, basically. And that's what they, they did. And to be honest, the, the, the TV stations, they, they had to, to show that they weren't happy. But at the end of the day, they were looking at the ratings they were getting and what could they do? Yeah. As we said, wrestling companies weren't as image conscious, if that's the right term, as they are now. Nowadays, it's all PG. We want to be seen as a great media-friendly company. It's all because Linda McMahon wants to run for politics, isn't it? And she can't be associating with a company that's still having women take their clothes off and and having guys cut open every night yeah, and, by chair shots. It's like wrestling, if you look at it, I mean, Rocco will tell you that it's always been kind of PG. I mean, you look at the late 80s, early 90s, the very cheesy gimmicks that they had you know you didn't have guys you know getting hit with barbed wire baseball bats getting you know busted open bleeding you didn't have women stripping but the most successful couple of years in the wrestling business was the attitude era when all that was going on so it, it just seems a shame that they can never go back to that kind of world maybe they may do one day but it will definitely not happen while Vince McMahon is still around for that way.
he won't allow it to. Maybe when Stephanie and Triple H get full full control of the company, we might go back to we might we'll never go back to complete attitude era again. But maybe we might see them leave PG behind. I don't, I don't know. They might not. They might just go more PG than ever. But I'd like to think that one day they'll go back to more edgy wrestling. Yeah, I think you're right. As I said earlier, every sort of like ten to fifteen years, there has to be like a sea change. Like we had the the whole larger than life characters. Then, as you say, the NWA started this. NWO started this. Like, is it real? Is it not real? It's okay to cheer for the bad guys. But then, obviously, Vince took that on with the Austin and Attitude era, and absolutely smashed it because they was like a overall they was like a bigger company. You know, and that was the most successful point in their period. But then, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've been a fan for like 30 years. So, well, I don't watch it as much now. But, you know, I mean, that time was a golden time. But I think it depends on your age at the time. I mean, I think what you're saying there, Paul, Kurt, is like when that NWO time was, was on, you was at that sort of like young, teenage, impressionable time to watch it sort of period where I was like too busy interested in birds and going out like but then I you know obviously and then different now I've got kids I watch it a bit more than I did then sort of thing I think it depends on your time but it definitely has to be I mean this PG era is 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 is, is shit because we've seen and we've grown up watching the attitude era so this is just shit to us do you know what i mean yeah you can't go from drinking liquid sugar to coke zero can you you, ca- you can't go from fucking alexis texas up the arse to going out taking a new girl out and be happy with a kiss on the cheek and she phone you next week mm. do you know what i mean I don't even know how to answer from that. I think that's a, a perfect analogy. You do, you do know I'm going to go and say who Alexis Texas is now. Yeah, she's an actress, Paul. I'm not sure uh, you mean. IMDb or wherever it's called. Is she a porn star. Yeah, of course she is. <laughs> you, naughty, you naughty boy! I'm selling your wife. Oh, but cool. anyway. Like I said, NWO, for me, it was golden era. It's still, to this day, my favourite angle in the history of wrestling, possibly. At, at least the first year or so that it was working and it was on fire. It did lose its way after a while when, you know, fucking the the LWO, the Wolfpack NWO, the fucking purple NWO, whatever, came around. It's just done to death. But as I've said, I love that. I love Sting. And that's why I was extremely pissed off to see Sting and the NWO basically lose at WrestleMania just gone. Broke my heart. It's like, though, the WWE at the time, they they tried to recreate the NWO, didn't they, by bringing them back in, what was it, over 10 years ago now? And it was just so... It was just so stale, and they just had no idea. That's why, you know... Just because it's very successful, you just sometimes you need other guys to to work these ideas, and I think Bischoff was a perfect guy for that sort of you know idea. He might not have you know won the war, he might not have been um he might you know give out stupid contracts, let wrestlers rule the roost, but for that that storyline, I think he was the perfect guy, and I think Vince he tr- he wanted some of that in the WWE, but he just it just didn't work. He was he was already gone and. You know, it's like it's like if they brought them out now, it, it's just pointless because the, the, the kids now won't even know who they are unless they're watching the network, and they ain't gonna have that memory of you know being yeah. live and witnessing it. There's always going to be some fans like us who enjoy the nostalgia of it, but there's not going to be any fans who are, you know look at it the way we looked at it back then. Yeah, it's 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 um moments in time, and it as I say, I think. Depends on your age at the time, and 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 all. I mean, I don't. I wonder now if the kids that are sort of like our age, then I wonder if they watch WWE as much as we would have watched like the NWO and all that. Then I wonder if they 
you know, I mean, I watch it, and as I say, you think, fucking hell, this is like, this is poor compared to what I've watched before. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Monday yeah. night, if you look at Monday Night Raw, the ratings have been on a steady decline for years. I mean, they're, at their peak, they were doing fantastic numbers. They're not doing anything near that now. That's because that's a combination of, you know, going to three hours, which is just ridiculous for a weekly show, by opinion. It's like, Sometimes less is more. You don't need to have, you know, all these hours of wrestling every week. Yeah. And also the, the PG, you know, a lot of the, the older fans, you know, they like wrestling, yeah, but sometimes you want a bit of edgy stuff as well. But you can understand they want to, they want to, you know, appeal to kids. But, you know, sometimes you'd like a bit of more serious storylines and, you know, they have declined. But it's, you know, it's just that, you know, they, they, they messed up some of the storylines, WCW, as did WWE. I mean... As I mentioned, they tried to bring the NWO back. It didn't work. The whole invasion storyline should have should have been better than the NWO storyline because yeah. they, Vince McMahon finally had access to everyone, basically. That, that's a whole other podcast, I think, that one. Yeah, yeah that, I think our next story. podcast will be on that. I could be here all night talking about that. Seriously. You brought up the TV ratings. And what, what, one thing that I read very recently, and it interested me, was... Nowadays, Raw averages, I can't remember the exact number, but I, I definitely remember it reading that Raw, on average, does a lower rating now than WCW did at its lowest. And considering how everyone likes to rip on WCW when it was very nearly out of business from saying, oh, it just became a joke, it was an absolute waste of time, nobody watched it anymore, it was embarrassing to be seen watching Nitro. That show, that was so terrible in, like I don't know, 1999, 2000. That got higher ratings now than current WWE does. And if you look at SmackDown, I mean that's that's on the Sci-Fi Channel in the United States. I mean that's not you know that's that's not doing great ratings. That's not even live. That's like um, tape delayed. So I just think you know WWF as a as a company, they're in a great position. They've obviously got the the network. They've you know their WrestleMania is is a, a massive event now. It's it's basically a, the Super Bowl of, of wrestling now. They, they, it's always at a huge arena. You know they're going around the world more. I mean when I was watching it when I was you know younger, I went to watch it, but they were never they were never over here that often. They're over here once every few years if you're lucky. Now they seem to be over here you know three four times a year. So you know they're even doing live roars over here. So they're in a great position, but. You know, I've said it before on the podcast, when you've got no competition, it doesn't matter how shit you are, you know, you're still the number one. It's like, you know, I've compared it to, you know, the SPL for people who watch football in Scotland. Celtic can be absolutely shit. They're still going to win the league every season because there's no competition. And when the WWF had competition with WCW, we had the greatest period in terms of ratings. Everyone was talking about wrestling. And now, you know... The, the WWE don't have to push themselves. You know, Vince don't have to say, we have to be great, we have to do these great numbers because what other wrestling organisation are going to take them over? There's none. TNA, whoever you, know, whatever you think of them, they'll, they'll give it their all, but they're, never, they're not on their level. It's just never going to happen. You know, you've got other little independent groups never going to be enough of them. You know, WCW, they, they needed WWF just like WWF needed them, in my opinion, and the day that they died, you know, it was one of the worst days because although it should have been good, you know, you were hoping all the wrestlers would go to WWF and it would just be a one huge organisation would get great matches for years to come. It didn't quite work out that way. And now it's, it's you know, the, the, the small, you know, the kids will, will still love it, of course, and will still like the, the, the shows like WrestleMania and stuff. But for the majority of it, it's, it's pretty shit and it's the kind of shows that you just skim through, to be honest. Yeah, Kurt, I, I um, I agree totally with you. It's it's um, you do skim for it now, and as I say, the the, the uh, invasion thing. We'll talk another time. But I remember I used to get this newsletter. I think I've said before, and I remember reading things. You used to imagine sort of like the end of the eighties and the early nineties. You used to remember reading one, and it was like WWE, WCW, like if they could join forces and have this big like mega WrestleMania like dream matches that was like Sting and the Warrior and Savage and Luger and Hogan and Flair. I, mean, I know some of these people crisscrossed but 
and I know this we're talking it was sort of like 14 years later when the actual or 10 years later when the actual buyer when he did like buy his, his competition but as you say every great like you say the SPL sportsman they need a rival they need a rival to bounce off they need a rival like this this week you know the Mayweather Pacquiao fight they need a rival and especially someone who's like quite good so that when they beat them they can genuinely say well we beat this guy or Celtic can say well we beat Rangers when they was or Rangers beat Celtic whoever we beat this team when they were good not when they was shit do you know what I mean? Yeah, being Nottingham Forest means nothing now, does it? One one day they were the winners of the European Cup. Look, it doesn't matter, and if you beat them, it was considered a big coup. Yeah, and it's like there's a difference between there's a difference between being the number one in you know when your competition is strong to being number one because you're the only one. I mean, if you're the only one, there can only be one, and that's what the WWE are in right now. And they might say, you know, we're totally fine with that. We don't care, and they'll they'll, they'll be right. But for the fans, I, I think it just it takes away that um, the level of competition. And without competition, no one needs to improve. No, yeah. You, 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 you've got to have competition. And that, the, the, as you say, I can't remember which one you said it, the day that he bought WCW and with he, you know, I don't want to talk about it because it's another pod. But the day he bought that was the day it died because Ari handled it, whatever. But, you know, it, you need competition. That's why now with like NXT, which they say is like a an underground and they're talking about will it go on tour. As I've said to you before, if it was me, I'd open two restaurants. I'd open one at one end of the street that done like a little bit deal stuff. And one up the other end of the street that done a bit cheaper, you know. And then people naturally, people like to, you know, yeah, I like that one. I don't like that one. But really, you you'd have both. He should, if he, when he bought WCW, he should have bought it like and not told anyone. Do you know what I mean? And just employed Bischoff to run it and not told it. I know it's very hard nowadays, but that's what he should have done. He, but, because you need competition. I just think his his ego would never have allowed him to do it. I mean, no. he, he had to have. I mean, to be fair to him, I, I think what they did was was fine. I mean, he had this thing, you know, the character Vincent Man was. I mean, I don't think it was. I don't think it was a character. To be honest, it was probably him. But he bought WCW and he was, you know, he was going to crush them. You know, he was going to end them. And they had, you know, obviously Shane was 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 saying that he had he owned it and he was going to fight them. I think that was fine for a storyline, but. He had to have the the WCW guys to back it up. You had to have the talent, and the guys who came over, you know, they weren't the talent. They weren't the top guys. It's like breadcrumbs. Yeah, it's man. just it's just the only guys they could get, and it you know fans soon realised. Well, you know, you got Stone Cold, you got The Rock, you got Kurt Angle, and they're against these WCW mid carders. I mean, it just doesn't work. Yeah, I think we're best wrapping it up now. We spoke a lot about how we feel about NWO and WCW in that era and how it's affected the business since they sadly left us. But it's been a good old chat. Sadly, I don't think we'll ever see anything of the NWO ever. You dropped something, Rocco? <laughs> I don't think we'll ever see anything like the NWO ever again. The times have changed. People wouldn't buy into that storyline anymore, even if there was someone clever enough to come up with it. It'd be impossible to pull it off in the age of social media, but hopefully one day we do see something that is just as good, if not the same, as NWO. A different idea, but something that gets us, you know, gives us just as much entertainment. I don't hold out much joy, but at the end of the day, you've got to, you've got to keep hope, haven't you? You got any closing thoughts or any closing things to say, lads? Yeah, I'll just add to that. Um, it, it, it'd be great if they could keep things under wraps. I mean, we had something recently with Brock Lesnar where. We weren't sure how it was going to play out in the main event because we knew that his contract was up. Now, what they should have done with that is not told us and left left it to the match. But I think the day before WrestleMania or the two days before, Brock gave an interview where he said he re-signed for another year. And as soon as that happened, well, you you kind of thought, well, Roman Reigns isn't probably going to win this now. Then you know, it was still they still you know did well because they had um, Seth Rollins come out and win the title. But 
I just think that I'd just like them to keep things under wraps. I mean, I know it's hard, but it, Brock, Brock Lesnar, they didn't have to have him make the announcement. They didn't have to have him say he signed a contract. Let fans not know. I mean, I remember they did it a few years ago with CM Punk where they said his contract was running out and he was going to take the bout and leave. And you now that, that was well done as well. But even then, people can't, people knew. But as hard as it is, I still think they could they could do things where they could keep the fans guessing. And that was one of them. That was just an example where they still choose to give it all the information away, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. As I've just said, I agree totally with Kurt. Um, great times, and it's, it's nice to be talking about them, but I'm sure... I mean, sorry to everyone, we ain't done a WrestleMania review so far, but we're going to try and... Perhaps with the other guys get together, we'll do a review that and talk about Extreme Rules... Um, hopefully shortly and obviously the next retro pod I think we need to do the invasion or I think I think the next retro pod could be about the um, Mighty Bushwhackers induction into the Hall of Fame and their Hall of Fame career Whoa! Yay! before we end before we end this is relevant to the NWO right um, this was last year the outsiders, um, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and X-Pac, they came to Britain, you know, for a little tour to make themselves some money. Like, they, they toured the country in different venues where they did, like, a meet and greet with a fan, fans, Q&As. I went to it, and I was sat right in front of Kevin Nash, and they were taking questions from the audience, and everyone had their hands up wanting to ask a question, and there was only so much time, so not everyone got to ask, got to ask their question, and a lot of the questions were you know, pretty interesting stuff like that, like inside questions. But one guy who got hold of the microphone seriously said to Kevin Nash, shag, marry, kill. And then he said two guys I've never heard of. And the third guy was so-and-so from the Bushwhackers. It's like, oh, my God, mate, why do you care? Of all the questions that ask Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, you'd ask some guy from the 80s who no one cares about. And you'd ask if Kevin Nash wants to shag him. Was that was that Rocco who asked that question? No, no, no. No, Rocco wants to shag Alexis Texas, don't you? So up the arse, remember. Well, I, I was just it was just a comparison between the Attitude Era and the PG Era. Like it's either a... it was a very good comparison. I won't deny that. It's not a very PG comparison in today's PG wrestling world. No, no, it's it, no, no, it's it's um. I don't know if you caught the guys on Inside the Ropes talking about the um, Stephanie uh, interview she's doing tomorrow night with Chris Jericho, live podcast. Um, and Robert was saying that he should ask her whether Macho Man did her in back in the day and how many yeah. he got inside think, her and all that. I think if he asks her that, Chris Jericho will never get another person on his podcast. <laughs> Blackballed, he'll be assassinated by Vince McMahon. Oh, it's in stitches. <laughs> oh, anyway, I think I think we'll call it a night on that. 